Hey mama, here we are in 2021 after a year that was certainly like no other. The juggle was real. My own family had to shift, pivot, and adapt in so many ways. There were tough times, fun times, and silver linings. As moms, our minds are often filled with a million things, and it is so easy to feel overwhelmed and that there just aren't enough hours in the day. And 2020 took this to a whole new level. With the start of this new year, as we are looking ahead to all that is to come, I would like to invite you to join me at my free webinar, Calm in the Chaos of Motherhood and Work, Strategies to Take Back Your Time. At this interactive workshop, I will help you get clear on your core values and the things that are most important to you and your family. Apply three key strategies to create more time and space for these. And use the take back your time mindset to design your motherhood and work juggle with intention. I will be hosting this free one hour webinar at two different times on Monday, January 11th, 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Choose the time that works best for you. To register, head to my Instagram account at Part-Time Jungle and click on the link in my bio, or you can also register using the links in this episode's show notes. Take good care, and I hope to see you soon. Motherhood and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to be here with our guest today, Megan Mickelson. Like so many Canadians, Megan's priorities are firmly rooted in a love for her family and teammates and respect for the game. A graduate of the University of Wisconsin's hockey program, Megan led the team to back-to-back NCAA championships, won the Olympic gold medal for Canada in Vancouver in 2010, and followed that up with a win at the 2012 IIHF World Hockey Championships. In Sochi in 2014, Megan added an element of hockey toughness to her growing resume. Playing with a broken hand in the Olympic final versus the USA, she assisted on the opening goal for Canada that sparked the comeback that will be talked about for decades. Megan joined teammate Natalie Spooner on season two of The Amazing Race Canada, winning an impressive seven stages en route to finishing second in the finale. They were voted Canada's favorite team by fans of the number one ranked show in the country. 
After Sochi, Megan took some time off from hockey to have a baby before returning to the team with the goal of representing Canada in Pyeongchang 2018. She was successful in doing so and helped Canada bring home a silver medal. Following the 2018 Olympics, Megan and her husband Scott decided it was time to add another player to their team, and Megan took another year off to have her second baby. Though it would be easy to put her skates away and retire now, she's not done yet. With her sights set on the 2022 Olympics in Beijing, Megan is facing some of the greatest challenges she has ever encountered in her career as she balances motherhood and career. But that's not going to stop her. All right. So thank you so much for joining me today, Megan. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. I'm so excited to have you here. And to start off, I would love to hear more about your journey and juggle of being a mom, a professional athlete, and having a business. What have been some of the challenges and successes that you have experienced along the way? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, I, I'm obviously, I'm a professional athlete, it's a large part of my work and what I do. But you know, I see myself as, you know, any other mom or any other dad parent out there in that I'm trying to balance everything. I'm trying to do all of the things, be good at my job and what I do, and also be the best parent that I can be. Right now, you know, I'm I'm 35 years old. I'll, I'll date myself there. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old um, training full-time with the Canadian national women's team, hoping to play in my fourth Olympics coming up. Obviously, as a, you know, as a female athlete right now and a female hockey player, you know, it's not really a, a lucrative sport, I guess you could say. The pay equity is not there. So, uh, I, I do have to work as well on the side. And I'm very lucky to do what I do. Um, you know, I do a lot of public speaking, uh, event appearances. I have a lot of great sponsors, you know, as as being a brand ambassador for them. So I'm able to tie, you know, my, my work outside of hockey back into hockey, which has been amazing. And then my two kids, they're they're little right now, so they require <laughs> lots of attention and you know, they've, they're a lot of work, but it's, it's amazing. I think that I face the same challenges that any working parent does. Any parent that is at home with their kids trying to do all the things, like I said, I face all of those challenges as well. Yes, the juggle is real, right? <laughs> it is. So- the struggle yes, and the juggle. Yes, we wear so many hats. And it can be so tough to pursue our career goals while still being the best moms that we can be. And there are all those struggles at times along the way. So I'm curious what it means to to you to be what I've heard you refer to before as a fearless parent. And what are Mm -hmm. some, some of your strategies, tips, and lessons that have helped you with your own motherhood and work juggle? Yeah, so I think, and I, I speak a lot about this when I when I am out and I am speaking. Uh, I do a lot of corporate events and that sort of thing. And uh, there are a lot of parents that are that are working and and doing all the things. And I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what what that means. And I think it is absolutely fearless to be pursuing your goals and your dreams while raising human beings. Like you are raising the future <laughs> citizens of our society while trying to 
pursue your own passions. Like that is, it's absolutely fearless. And it's, it's not easy. It's, it's very, very hard to do. But I think, you know, what I've learned, there's been a lot of, I guess, lessons and and tips and strategies that have kind of helped me to stay in that mindset and in being fearless and going after your passions and your dreams while being a parent. One of those things I think would be to avoid comparison and judgments. And that is so hard to do in in this day and age, I think, with social media. I think a few years ago it was hard. And I think now with everything that we're going through, we're on our phones a lot more. So much is virtual. It's even harder. Like you're looking at other people's lives through a camera, basically. And it, it's hard because you want to stay focused on what you want, what you need. But at the same time, you're seeing all of these other things that other people are doing. So I think, um, and I would say it's, it's kind of staying in your lane. Avoid comparing yourself to other people. What you need, what your kids need, what your family needs is different, first of all, on any given day. And it's different for everyone. So comparing is just, it's a waste of time and it's a waste of energy. And then also like avoiding judgments, I think also is is a huge waste of energy. Uh, We obviously, we don't want people judging us based on our decisions that we make as parents or as professionals and doing that to others, I think is equally as unfair. And again, is such a waste of time and energy. So that's, that's one huge thing. Staying in your lane, avoiding those comparisons and those judgments uh, is so big. And then knowing that what you're doing, like give yourself some credit. (laughs) I think we're very hard on ourselves. Uh, We all want to be the best at what we do, but give yourself some credit for, for what you're doing and that you are, you know, being fearless enough to go after your goals and your dreams and also to be raising your kids. It's, It's incredible and it's amazing. So yeah, those are just a few things that that I try to do on a daily basis and and just be mindful of and staying in in a positive mindset and staying focused on, you know, what you need to do to accomplish your goals, all the while giving yourself some credit and being kind to yourself. Absolutely. And I think sometimes it's it can be hard to be kind to ourselves because of those things that mm-hmm. are so easy to do, looking at other people and thinking that they have it all together or feeling judged or thinking what other people might be saying or thinking about us. It can be really tricky. And you're right. At the end of the day, we really just need to be kind to ourselves because we're working very hard and doing so many great things for ourselves and our families. For sure. And it's it's a very hard mindset to get into and to stay in. And you're I, like, I can't say that I'm in that mindset 100% of the time. Uh, it's easy to get pulled out of it. But I mean, man, like, there are so many great things that all of us are doing as as working parents. So I think taking the time every day to recognize what you're doing, the strength and the fearlessness that that requires, and also what you need to do on it on any given day or any given week to continue to do what you're doing. And I wonder too, what is your uh, village or your community of support like? So I'm curious because you play on a hockey team and I'm sure Mm -hmm. there's different uh, women of different ages and stages on that team. And I know 
some of the villages that I've connected to, you know, are people kind of going through the same thing at the same time. Like we're so tired, we're dealing with the sleeplessness or we're navigating certain things. And then sometimes I found, you know, as a new mom, I struggled a little bit. I was sort of the first of my friends to have a child. And I remember one day going out for lunch and someone saying to me, how tired they were. And I think our third baby at the time was maybe (laughs) six weeks old. And I thought to myself, are they, I don't know if they know what tired, being tired is being like, but I mean, I didn't say anything because you don't know until you're in it, but what is sort of your village and community and that experience like for you? Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was a younger player on the team, there was an older defenseman, Becky Keller, um, and she had two kids. And, you know, looking back now, I, I'm that mom, I'm the, the defenseman, the mom with two kids. I ha- I did not have an appreciation or like any idea of what she was doing uh, and what she was going through. Um, and like you said, what tired really is. I don't think you know what tired really is until you're a parent. But, you know, I, I didn't know. I, I had no idea. So I try to remember that when, you know, now me being the older player with the kids and, you know, you, I go to the rink some days and oh, I'm sort of so tired and I'm so sore. And I'm like, okay, like, I'm sure that you are, but, you know, I know that they don't understand what it's like to be a parent. And that's totally fine because we're all at different, like you said, ages and stages. And so uh, I try to keep that in mind. I do, you know, I I had a hard time as a new mom as well. Um, I also didn't have a lot of friends with kids. And um, I came back to playing very, very quickly after I had my son. He was born at the end of September. And I was back on the ice when he was six weeks old. And I was back playing. Uh, My doctor wouldn't clear me for full contact until three months after I had him. The day she cleared me, I was back on the ice with my team. And I was at camp with the national team when he was four months old, played in the world championships when he was six months old. And so it was a lot, really, really fast. And I don't think that I leaned on my village and on my support network as much as I could have. And it took a toll on me. Uh, After the world championships that year, I completely crashed. I didn't experience any postpartum depression or anxiety until after the world championships because I think I was just going mock 10 the whole way through. And so that entire experience, it taught me uh, the importance of leaning on that village and that support network. And that, you know, I think oftentimes we think that, you know, as new moms, we need to do it all and we need to be perfect at it and we need to be able to do it all on our own. And that's just really not the case. That's not the case in any part of the world, except for North America, it seems like. (laughs) honestly. So now, you know, I've learned my husband is, he's so supportive and so incredible. Even right now on days, like this morning I was on the ice, I was in the gym. So he's taking on the responsibility and we're lucky that he can do this of dropping and picking up the kids from the day home and taking Calder to school and Scott will get my daughter home, get her down for a nap so that I have time to eat. (laughs) Uh, Things like that. Having my mom, my mom has, and I'm again, like, I'm just so grateful because I know that not everybody has parents around. Uh, My mom helps us out when she can, you know, grandmas and grandpas, 
And, you know, we're, we're so, so lucky. When my son, the last Olympic year, my son was two, two and a half. Uh, my sister actually lived with us and was our nanny. So, you know, it was, you have to recognize, I think that like, you can't do it all. You can't do it all. And, you know, not being afraid or not being ashamed of asking for help and outsourcing. Right now, you know, there's there was days when, you know, Calder, he would go from the day home. I would, in Berkeley would be there as well. They're at the day home in the morning while I'm training and skating. Then I'm home with Berkeley in the afternoon. And then we pick up Calder and take him to hockey. And then by the time we get home, it's 6.30. And I'm like, who's cooking dinner? <laughs> And so we started using a meal service a few days a week. What I do, again, it's obviously very physically taxing. I don't have the energy to clean all of the time. So every once in a while, when I'm just absolutely bagged, you know what? I'm bringing in a cleaner. And again, I feel so fortunate and lucky that I can do that. But I think it's all about, for me, recognizing when and where I need the help and not being afraid to ask for it because I will be a better mom as a result and I will be better in my job as a result. Yeah, it it makes such a difference and I too felt that reluctance as a new mom to not only ask for help but accept help when offered to me. For some reason I felt hesitant to agree to let someone help me. And one of the best gifts that I ever got from a um a friend of mine, we've now been friends for over a decade, was when our third baby was born, she told me, didn't ask, she told me that she would come and pick up our oldest and take him to preschool. So three mornings a week, she was going to do that. And I tried to say no, she wouldn't let me say no. And it was the best thing ever. It was so Mm -hmm. incredibly helpful and generous of her. And now she's one of my best friends. So there you go. Yeah, and we that's help, awesome. Yeah, and we help each other out all the time. But it truly takes a village. So I appreciate mm-hmm. your story and you sharing that experience. And obviously, as moms, it can be a challenge with everything on our plates and all the hats we wear to make ourselves a priority. So what are some of the tools you use daily to prioritize your own health and well-being? Yeah. So again, you know, this was the importance of prioritizing yourself. That was really driven home to me, you know, when I went through, you know, a very difficult time after the world championships, after I had had my son, I wasn't taking care of myself the way that I should. For me, I have, you know, a number of tools that I found from, you know, a variety of different places. Uh, And the one thing that I would say is that, you know, I'll share what works for me, but what works for me may not work for you. And I always say, I, you know, I'm sharing this, but do your own research. I mean, try things and see if it works for you. And if it doesn't, that's okay, because there's no, you know, one size fits all when it comes to health and well-being and self-care. For me, on a daily basis, one thing I do is gratitude journaling. And gratitude, practicing gratitude is something that has become huge in the past months. It's something that I've been doing now for, you know, well over a year. Every single morning um, I have, it's a little journal called the five minute journal. You can get it at chapters. It's amazing. Literally takes you five minutes in the morning and you write down three things that you're grateful for, three things that will make your day great and a daily mantra. 
So for me, waking up, and I purposely get up before my kids, uh, unless they wake me up, to do this in the morning. And it just gets me, you know, from the minute you wake up, uh, right in a positive mindset. Um, And the way, you know, you start your day, it sets the tone for the rest of your day. I, I go into my day a happier person, a more grateful person when I do this. And then the journal in the evening, uh, you write down like three great things that happened that day. And then something that you think could have gone better. So that journal has just been like every single day, it's five to 10 minutes, but I have found it has made a huge difference for me. Another thing that I do uh, is I meditate. I started doing this. It's been two and a half years now that I've been practicing meditation. And I started because I was so stressed out and I was clenching my jaw so bad that I cracked a tooth. So I I had to get the tooth pulled and it was just a big mess. And it was actually my dentist who is also a yoga teacher. And she was like, you know, you should try meditating. There's actually so much research behind it and just the positive effects it can have on you. So I was like, okay, I'll try it. Um, And so now I've worked up to, I meditate 20 minutes every single day. And that's time that I carve out for myself. If I don't get it in during the day, then I do it before I go to bed. Some days I have time in the mornings. Other times it's while my daughter naps in the afternoon, but I always find 20 minutes to meditate. And again, it has just made a huge difference in my life. The third thing, um, and it's a little bit out there, um, I practice cold thermo. So I have a cold tub made out of a chest freezer in my basement, and I plunge every single day for three to four minutes, and it is anywhere between 30 and 40 Celsius. So close to, it is sometimes below freezing, close close to it. And for me, it's a daily reminder. There's obviously a lot of physical benefits in terms of circulation, uh, the endorphins that are released once you get out of the water, hormonal balance, all those sorts of things. But for me, it's also, uh, it, it builds resiliency and is a reminder to me um, every single day that we can do hard things. It's hard. It never gets easy. Every single day when I go to do it, I'm like, oh, this is so hard. But I still do it. And it allows me, you know, in a time where my body is feeling physical stress, it forces me to breathe. And that has, it's been an incredible tool for me. Times when I feel stressed out or overwhelmed, I'll just say to my husband, you know what? I'm just going to go jump in my cold tub. I'll be back in four minutes. And I'll go do that. And it's incredible what it can do for your body and for your mind. So I would say those are my top three things that are not, obviously there's getting enough sleep. (laughs) That's huge. I will say I'm in bed every single night at 9 p.m. It's like 9, 9.15, non-negotiable. My phone is away. I'm in bed and I'm, I'm very strict and diligent about it. A lot of because I need sleep as an athlete for that recovery. And if I don't get that, I can't, I literally cannot do my job. The other thing is nutrition. And on any given day that it looks different, I have to eat upwards of like 3000 calories a day, which I consider myself lucky to be able to do. I make sure that I'm getting whole foods um, that are nutrient dense. Um, I'm big on celery juice. That's a, a big thing for me. And organic coffee. 
which is free of mold and toxins. Most commercial coffees actually have mold and toxins in them, which is so gross. But uh, what you put into your body is what you're going to get out of it. So obviously sleep and nutrition, big things for me in terms of, of health and well-being. But also I would say on that note, like treating yourself, <laughs> that is huge. Like doing things that just make you feel good. If that's having a glass of wine, having a piece of chocolate, whatever, like treat yourself. I say that all the time, you know, finding what makes you happy and, and making sure that you schedule that into your day as well. So I know that's a lot, but again, I think for everybody, it's, it's so, so different and it looks different, but just finding what works for you and making it a priority because you can't take care of anything or anyone else unless you take care of yourself. That is so true. And I think it is so important to be intentional about it because it is so easy if you're not to let the day kind of go by and you haven't perhaps done those things that you need to do to take care of yourself. And it's funny, uh, my husband is actually quite good at recognizing if perhaps I haven't been doing the things that I need to do. And he knows that it's better for him and for everybody else in the family, which is fantastic. Exactly. It makes such a big difference. So those are great tips and advice. But I do love how you're saying it's personal and you've got to find those things that work for you and those things that are going to fill your cup and help you be the best that you can be for sure. I don't know if I could do the cold plunge. You know what you can do though is a cold shower. Okay. Like you could start there. If anybody out there is wanting to try it, like turn your shower as cold as possible. I started out when I first started doing it, I started with cold showers and then I started plunging for maybe like 30 seconds and I've just sort of slowly built my way up. So if you're curious about it, like try a cold shower and you'll actually be surprised and end on cold, like end on cold when you get out of the shower and see how you feel. Okay. And what would be the time frame to endure this? As long as you, as long as you can, as long as you can and just and breathe through it. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm up Perfect. for the challenge. I'm going to give this a try. <laughs> so, and then I need to ask you, Megan, because as Canadians, we watch and celebrate our Olympic athletes with such pride. But what does it feel like to win an Olympic gold medal twice? Oh, you know, I like I get asked that question a lot. And I don't I still, you know, I won my first Olympic gold medal in Vancouver in 2010. And I still don't think I've like, come up with a great answer for it. Uh, It's obviously, I mean, it's a dream come true. Like if you could think of the thing that you want the most in the world and how it would feel to get it, that that's it. What, however that would feel for you. That's how it feels for me. (laughs) I do know like at the end of the gold medal games, when the final buzzer has gone and we've won, the greatest thing that I feel is a sense of relief, honestly, because, you know, as like Canadian hockey players, it's, it's either gold or it's nothing. It's like you either win or you don't win and you fail. So there's, that's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. Um, and you want to win, you want to win for yourself and all the work you've put in, you want to win for your teammates and your coaches. 
You want to win for your family and your entire support network that has gotten you to where you are. You want to win for all of Canada and the amazing fans that are watching. And you want to win for all the little girls out there watching that want to play for Team Canada one day. Like, it's not about you. It's it's about winning for the entire country. And so that's a lot to carry. It's a it's a heavy, heavy weight. So when the buzzer goes and you've won, it's like that huge weight has just been lifted right off your shoulders. So just a great amount of uh, relief and happiness and pride. So so much pride to to be Canadian and and to be where you know where you are. And I think now as an older player and having gone to the Olympics and won silver, uh, losing in a shootout uh, in 2018, the greatest thing I feel about those two Olympic gold medals is just like, I'm just so grateful. That's something that so many players out there, um, you know, even male players like that wanting to win a Stanley cup, like that's our Stanley cup. And so, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful for everyone that has been a part of that and to have had the opportunity to represent my country and, and, and to do, you know, what I've set out to do my whole life. You know, that little girl sitting on the living room floor watching the first Canadian women's team play in the Olympics in 1998 and, you know, turning around to my parents and saying, I'm going to do that. I'm going to play in the Olympics one day and I'm going to win a gold medal. Um, and just thinking of that little girl, you know, it's just pure happiness and, and pride and gratitude. It's amazing. And to think back, right? Exactly. When you were a little yeah. girl and having that dream yeah. and then standing on the ice, having made that, been a part of making that dream come true is incredible. And that's, I say that to, you know, girls playing hockey that, you know, I was once your age. I was once exactly where you are with a goal and a dream of playing for Team Canada. Like if I can do it, then you can do it too. And I bet that message coming from you means so much to those girls, right? It it makes it, seeing you do that makes it possible for them to yeah. have that dream and then perhaps make that dream happen for themselves as well. Yeah. And now, like, I think, you know, my, my goal now is to play in the 2022 Olympics uh, and win gold for Canada for all of the reasons I had before, but also for you know, all the moms and all the parents out there who are trying to do all of the things to show that you can do it. It can be done. So that's, you know, and that's a huge source of motivation for me is, is helping and inspiring others to pursue their goals and their dreams and to know that it is possible. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And I look forward to cheering you on (laughs) soon. And I also have to say that my family and I are huge fans of The Amazing Race Canada. I know that you had an incredible experience on that show. So what was your biggest highlight from that experience? What was your biggest takeaway? And what would be one thing that the cameras didn't capture or that happened behind the scenes? Oh, so many things. Yeah, The Amazing Race was incredible. Like I I always say now, outside of playing in the Olympics, that was like one of my greatest life experiences. We had no idea going into it what to expect. Like zero clue. And on any given day, you you have no idea what you're doing. One of the greatest highlights for me, I think, was the friendship 
and the bond that I developed with Natalie. Going in, we were we were teammates, but we weren't really that good of friends. And now we're like we're we're best friends. We talk every single day. She's like my little sister. Um, I'm the maid of honor in her wedding next year. Like she's just she's my absolute best friend. And I don't know if we hadn't have done that show together. I don't know if we would have created that friendship and that bond. So that to me was like one of the biggest and best takeaways from the show. Man, just it it just so many. So many things behind the scenes, <laughs> some of which I'm probably not allowed to say. I think like one of the coolest things, like people don't know that you're obviously you're on camera when you're racing, when you're off camera, you're actually like locked away in a hotel room. You're sequestered. They, there's no phone, no TVs, like no internet, nothing in the rooms. They even take the Bibles out of the rooms. All of like the tour things, like okay. your room is empty. So when you're not racing, you're you're literally locked away. So Natalie and I had a lot of quality time together. Uh, and off camera, I guess, like one thing a lot of people don't know is one thing that we did uh, like to keep busy in the hotel room when we're sitting there for like 10 hours a day. I started to keep like a journal of like at the end of the legs, I would write down what we did, where we went, like some funny things that happened. And then at night as like a bedtime story, I would read them back to her. (laughs) And that was like a way to stay entertained. Another thing we did was we played cards. We had a deck of cards. That was like one of the only things that we were allowed to have. And we tried to play like some competitive games with each other. But we were literally like getting in fights in our hotel room. (laughs) So we had to stop playing competitive games and like really all we could play was like goldfish. So that was just kind of like a few funny things that happened off camera, but just overall like getting to travel the world and uh, there was just so much like we were pushed way out of our comfort zones every single day, but it was so, it was so adventurous and so rewarding in that it was an experience of a lifetime and one that we'll never forget. We're really hoping that they have an all-star season because we did really well. Like we won seven out of 11 legs and then we kind of blew it in the finale (laughs) and came second. And for coming in second, you win nothing. So, but the perk, the perk of finishing in second is that if there is an all-star season, you are still eligible for it. So we have, we have our fingers crossed because I think that we would both say yes in a heartbeat to do it again. Well, that would be so fun. That would be an incredible opportunity. So here's hoping that they do an episode like that. I think that would be neat. And the people that would come back would create a really great season to watch for sure. And in the spirit of keeping things real, I appreciate you sharing some behind the scenes stuff from your experience on the show. In the part-time juggle, we like to keep things real about motherhood. And I'm wondering if you have a mummy mess up that you'd be willing to share with us. So a mistake or something you would wish you had done differently, a learning opportunity that you've had along the way. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I've had like the classic, like you leave your kids alone for like a minute or two and you come back. It happened on Sunday morning. Like literally I went to go to the bathroom. Like I just had to go pee. I come back and there is yogurt. Like everywhere like I'm not even talking like a small spill it was like splattered all over the cupboards like everywhere so I mean leaving my kids alone for two minutes and coming back to like 
a disaster. Uh, I've done that. Um, the diaper blowouts, obviously that when you're out <laughs> and you forget wipes um, and it's up the back, like <laughs> all of those things, uh, the, the typical, I mean, I think, I think we've all, you know, been there, done that pretty, pretty standard. But I find comfort in knowing I'm hopefully not the only one. <laughs> but one thing that actually happened a couple of weeks ago that was like, it was a big lesson for me was we were tobogganing with the kids. Uh, we took them tobogganing for the very first time. And it was my idea. I was like, this is going to be fun. We'll go outside. It's a way to get everybody out. Uh, and not even like 10 minutes into tobogganing, we had an accident with my son. And he, I was supposed to catch him. And he ended up swerving past me and running into a tree. Like, I think as parents, we all have fears of our kids getting hurt. I think that's 100% natural. We want to protect them. I actually think we have those fears to keep us in that, like, protective parent mode. That's my theory. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) so he hit a tree and he started crying and screaming right away. And I took his toque off and there was blood. And I'm, I'm like not good with any cuts or bleeding or whatever. And the cut was actually, it was on his head and it was very deep. It was so deep that like I could see his skull. I panicked. Like I went into full panic mode and normally I'm, I'm pretty good at handling, uh, tough situations, challenges, difficult emotions. Like I feel like I've developed all of the tools for that, but what I have not developed, I don't think enough is dealing with, um, my child getting hurt. And so my husband, uh, bless him again. Uh, he is very good at handling that stuff. He came in, he kind of swooped in and took charge. Uh, we took him to the hospital. He ended up getting some stitches in his head. And then on the way home, I, you know, I said to my husband, I'm never going to bargain again. We're never going to bargain again. Like this is not happening. So we're at home and we're eating lunch and my husband goes, okay, let's go. Let's get our snow pants back on. We're going back outside. And I was like, are you nuts? Like, absolutely not. Like, he's like, no, like this is the best thing that we can do right now to show our son that when you fall and you get hurt, get back up, get right back on the saddle. And so we went back out there and we actually ended up having so much fun and it was therapeutic for me, like seeing him go down the hill and he learned how to stop himself. And so it was good. It was good for everybody, but there was just like so many lessons within that. The first was like staying calm in that situation, because I think that my son read off of my panic and he started to panic a little bit too. So, you know, knowing that in those moments that I need to stay calm myself and, you know, I was, you know, I was a little bit hard on myself at first, but then afterwards I was a little more kind because that had really never happened before. So it was a huge um, learning experience for me. But then the other thing was, you know, in when those things happen is it's also an opportunity to teach our kids. Like it's not about us and feeling panicked and, you know, them being hurt. It's what can we teach them in this situation? And again, uh, you know, that was, I give all the credit there to my husband, but uh, I think those are two, you know, really great lessons for me in that situation. And 
uh, I know that the next time it happens, I'll be able to handle it a lot better. Those, those situations are so hard and it can be, it is so hard and it's hard to be calm. And you're so right that our kids look to us, right. To see what we're going to do, but it's hard to, to maintain that sense of calm in a situation when we're just feeling completely overwhelmed, but kudos to your husband for getting you guys back out there again. And then that's wonderful to hear there that there was that positive experience that followed, but I could list off many similar situations to that. So yes, you sharing that just will help others, right? I find when we share those stories, you know, the realness, those struggles that we have as moms, it really just helps us all feel connected and not alone. And that, you know what, these things happen and it's normal and it's okay. And kids get hurt and we make mistakes and that's a part of the journey. And that's, and the learn totally. And it's the learning, right. That comes from it. That is the most important thing for sure. Yeah. And that's like one of my biggest pet peeves. And I don't know if this is like a controversial thing to say, but like projecting perfection on social media is probably one of my pet peeves because that is not real. Um, and that's why like in my posts or stories, I try to be as real as possible, about, you know, the good and the bad, because like you said, it connects us. And it helps, I think, new moms too, that, you know, you don't, you don't really necessarily know what you're getting into. But knowing that we all make mistakes, everyone has their struggles, and that's okay. And it's perfectly normal and perfectly human to experience all of those things. Yeah, 100%. And Megan, Before we wrap things up, I so appreciate all your words of wisdom that you've shared with us today, but I was just wondering if you had any final thoughts for moms who are listening, who are looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles. Yeah, I would say, again, this kind of ties back to what I said earlier. As much as you can, you try to find a balance, right? We all try to find a balance, but what that looks like is different for everyone, Try not to compare yourself to other people. I think, you know, the challenge is to know yourself and to know what you need on any given day when things are hard, when things are hitting the fan, um, knowing what, what you need, what your family needs, you know, to be, to be your best self and to continue, you know, being fearless. You know, what that looks like for everyone is so very different. So I think obviously leaning on one another for support and, you know, there are lots of tools out there, but knowing what you need on any given day and knowing that what, whatever that is and whatever that looks like, that's okay. Like you do you and that, that is fearless too. Absolutely. Megan, thank you so much for sharing your time and words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and all the amazing things that you are up to, where are the best places to find you? Um, I think number one would probably be Instagram. Probably I would say where I am currently sharing the most. Yeah, I think start there um, and, and I share as much as I can. And again, I try to be as real as possible. That sounds great. Thank you so much for joining us, Megan. It was great to connect with you today. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.